This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Sacramento, three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. Steve Fox scores five in the open court. It's Hopkins into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we have Mo Reagan, who is the second part of the Deuce and Mo podcast. We had Deuce on already. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, Mo. How are you doing? Of course. Thank you. Thanks so much for even having me on. You know, I, I know I'm coming on after Deuce, but I won't give you <laughs> too much crap for that. Well, we had you on previously as well. This is true. Yeah, and we're kind of going to repeat a little bit of what we talked about because it was a while ago and just for the sake of this series that we're doing. Um, but the first question I always throw out is just what got you into basketball in the first place? Well, it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> basketball started becoming part of my life, I want to say it was like the third grade. And I, it's one of those stories where you can literally say, like, I think I touched a basketball, and then it was, like, just, like, a superpower, like, this is what I'm meant to do, this is where I'm meant to be, and, and I didn't want to put the basketball down, and I would always ask my dad if we could go play, and then I remember us having this, like, janky hoop, like, definitely crooked, um, outside of our house. And I remember practicing, like, my free throws on that once I got older and stuff. But I would say, really, once I started just kind of playing in a rec league, and then I knew I wanted to keep playing. And then that's when my dad was like, well, then let's get you into AAU basketball. And so then I was getting playing more competitive and traveling around the country and playing. And so, so really, for me, with basketball, it was just like, it was second nature. It was... It was, uh, I I was motivated to go to school because of basketball. And now I look back at that and I wish I was more motivated by a science book or a history book because I do enjoy educating myself so much now that I'm older. But um, that was my motivation when I was younger and, and even, I think, going into college too. Mm-hmm. And did you watch a lot of basketball at the same time while you were playing? So I remember growing up watching the Kings play. Um, like I don't remember like third through sixth grade. I can't be like, oh, I remember watching 
uh, basketball. Like, I know it was always on, but I just don't recall watching it. Like, someone like Deuce, I know he remembers, like, when I was five, sitting in front of the TV and watching so-and-so, and I'm like, I don't even remember what I looked like when I was five, you right. know? Like, <laughs> how do you do that? And so, so I remember, but I remember by the time I was in junior high, like, seventh grade, so I was, you know, 11 years old. I was a young going into high school and everything. And I remember watching the Kings play. And I remember Chris just falling in love with Chris Weber. And I remember watching a little bit of like him in the fifth grade. And in the fifth grade, it was just, he, he was the person I watched. But then once I got into seventh grade is when I remember watching like full teams, full games. So Chris Weber in the fifth grade, I remember I used to do all my projects on him and everything because I just fell in love with who he was as a basketball player. And then that really ultimately made me want to keep watching basketball as I grew up. And, and then I remember being more involved in like watching WNBA and um, some women's college ball when I was in high school. But, um, but NBA has been my like ride or die since the beginning of time. Right. And, you played yourself, obviously. I have some Granite Bay High School stats in front of me. Um, can you describe yourself as a player? Okay, so you're <laughs> – yes, I can. Um, and the reason why I think I will actually be pretty accurate with how I'm going to describe myself is because during this quarantine time, I have this whole bucket in my garage of basketball photos and – newspaper clippings and um, just some really special stuff that my parents, my grandparents put together growing up. And I wanted to put in a photo album. So I started building this photo album just like a couple weeks ago. And I started seeing my stats again and seeing what kind of player I was. So I'm going to describe to you what I think and what I kind of got because I forgot. I forgot that I was a really good defender. I had a really good sense for the ball. And I remember leading in steals at one point in my high school career. I don't know if it, I don't think it was my senior year, but um, I remember actually just having, just like, I would know where to go. I had the instinct to go where the ball was. So I remember I was rebounding for a pretty short guard. And besides that, though, I was a point guard, had um, had some had some pretty good games with some higher stat lines and points and stuff. I don't know. I just I shot some threes. We didn't shoot a lot of threes back then, but I remember my my last home game ever at Granite Bay High School, I think I hit seven threes in my final home game ever. So so yeah, so what kind of player was I? I don't know. I I kind of I felt like I did a lot as a guard. I, I did multiple things and then besides that though, I remember my mental capacity. I was a head case and I had like a lot of technicals, my freshman year on varsity, and then from there, you know, just not a lot of officials like me, and they have every right not to like me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a boogie situation. Yeah. yeah. What do you uh, have? What was I as a player? Yeah, well, what do you have about me as a player, and then what were you as a player? Oh, God. Okay, so I don't I, – I didn't get any film on you or anything, but I just have numbers in front of me. Oh. <laughs> if you have film, send it my way, and I will glad, gladly give you my analysis. So if we're going into me as a player, I was I was primarily a point guard, I guess, until they realized I turned the ball over way too often. So okay. they kind of chilled that out. 
and I became a two guard that, yeah, like you're saying, focusing on rebounding for sure. Um, and I was a coast to coast guy for sure. If I got the rebound, I was gone. I was quick. I like to say I was. Yeah. Um, I'm self-proclaimed quick. Um, yeah. So I, I would like to think I'm gone. And then that was probably my strongest suit and it's easiest to make plays from there sort of thing. And, and I could shoot when I needed to. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm already skinny right now, but I was skinnier then, so I had defensive uh, questions there. But I definitely tried. So yeah. I like to say a quick three and D uh, two guard will go with. I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. What what numbers what numbers of mine do you have in front of you? I'm I'm kind of curious. Oh now. God, uh, I have no clue at all. I was definitely playing at a lower level high school. Um, I really don't know. We're probably talking like ten points. Um, yeah, and I, I don't, I really don't know. I we do I not go over stats after most games or anything. And that's why I'm like, when you're looking at my stats, I always tell people because so many people go, I've seen you on max preps or whatever, and I'm like, right. stats only tell so much though. You know, they they don't tell what kind of floor manager you can be and 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 what kind of energy or leadership you can bring. Those are not in your stats. Right. So when I do try to explain myself when I see something or when I hear people are like, oh, I saw your numbers, I'm like, damn, like sometimes my shooting numbers, it's like, oh, you took too many shots. And really, it was sometimes I was the only one who knew how to shoot the ball with form on my team. You know, this right. is <laughs> basketball. This was a high school team. Crap on your teammates real quick. Jeez. Well, I mean, it wasn't a great part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. We had like five, six players after that. Nobody could really play, to be honest. Um, You're lucky you had five to six. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It just, I mean, you, you see women's basketball and, and how programs are. It was like I, like, lived and died for this game every single day where my other friends were like, I could be fine without it. So they didn't care as much. It, so it didn't mean that they were, like, they weren't that great at it because they didn't want to be that great at it. You know, not to say that they could yeah. have been, but – um and coaches too coaches put down so many girls and um and and other other sports were like you can't play three sports you you gotta choose one and it's like as a coach as a mentor I mean that's just messed up and I remember a lot of girls going through that and then choosing volleyball over basketball and choosing soccer over basketball it's like you shouldn't have to choose but that is part of the reason why too we didn't have a great program and a lot of other girls that could play on the team. So I was the only one, like, committed. Right. And is that kind of what led to you having the idea that you wanted to continue a career in sports in some sort of capacity? Did you have that idea coming out of high school? I did. I was lucky enough to have uh, Granite Bay High School, obviously, it's uh, a school with money, and they had a media program. And I was part of that media, like, they had an entire studio where we could learn how to broadcast these morning bulletins, and I was always so intrigued with it, and I loved the production of it, I loved, you know, the audio, the editing, I loved shooting it, everything, so with having that program of being in this media program, and then having sports, and then finally starting to see some women that I recognized on TV that I was like, oh, 
who is this Erin Andrews and, you know, what is she doing? That's called sideline reporting. Oh, well, I, I could do that. And then later on in life, it was really more seeing women in the analyst chair that kind of drove me being like, oh, wait, I don't have to. There's nothing wrong with being a sideline reporter, but I don't have to just be a sideline reporter. I can be an analyst. I can do play-by-play. I can do I can host a show I can do any of those things because other women ahead of me aren't doing it so it kind of gave me that confidence knowing I could do it but yeah I always knew I wanted to be doing sports broadcasting yeah and what was your your foot in the door for that my understanding and of course correct me if I'm wrong is that you went to Sac State for journalism Mm -hmm. and then what was your first sort of uh, career um, internship anything to get your foot in the door in this field so, funny enough, I first was I first moved when I was 18. I moved to L.A. because I was like, I want to go do TV. I got eaten alive in L.A. Like, it was, I literally was told, I was told, and I don't, I don't give a damn. I really don't care. I was told, lose 15 pounds and find your brand. And I remember just being like, damn, like, I am getting just, like, shamed right now. And it hurt me, but then I realized, what, 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 don't take that person's opinion, you know? Like, you've got to you gotta just take pieces of it. So I like the part of find your brand. And my brand wasn't being in L.A., wasn't being trying to do entertainment stuff. A lot of people wanted me to do entertainment and not sports. So then I moved back to Sacramento, and that then this is where the foot in the door moment happens. I I started taking a class at Sierra College, a journalism class at Sierra College first before I started going back or went to Sac State. And with that class, I was able to enroll into an internship with ABC 10, and I had to go through a long interview process to get an internship with them with the sports department. And then I was there, and I got to work with uh, the amazing Sean Cunningham, who I love and adore, who works there and obviously, like, knows everyone in the city. And then from there, I met Deuce Mason at a game because I was interning with ABC10, and he goes, you should think about doing radio. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, I think you can get an internship at KHK. So I had two internships at the same time got paid zero dollars for both, but I was living at my parents because I had moved back, so zero rent at the time, which was great, Um, and those were the moments where I'd say, like, your foot in the door really starts by just getting those internships, and then from there, there's different, you're getting the second foot in the door with different moments that happen later on. Right, and were you comfortable in those roles at first like moving to radio and things like that or what were some of the things that you kind of had to learn pretty quickly along the way well I remember one of the things I had to learn first with ABC 10 um this guy that used to work there who was so awesome his name was Nick Monticelli uh he moved away to a different news station and he we were at a high school game because they covered Friday night high school football games and it was like a big game with Vacaville football and someone else that Vacaville had lost. And he was like, you're going to take this mic and you're going to go interview the losing team. And I remember I had to interview this guy that was crying, this high school player. Like his oh. career was over. And I remember that being one of those moments for me of like, 
Well, oh my gosh, like I'm so used to seeing, you know, the winners and we're interviewing the winners um, when you're looking at ESPN broadcasts and all these other things, but this was a local news broadcast and they wanted to interview the team that they like had all the hype of going or whatever. So I think that was one of the moments with just the beginning stages of that. And then with radio, I think just right away I learned you just have to have confidence because if you go in there and say one thing on the mic and you don't have confidence or believe in what you say um, on like a sports take, because a lot of sports takes most are just opinions. And so a lot of guys, sorry, all the men out there, <laughs> I find a lot of men that were like, this is my opinion and it's correct. And it's like, or it's a fact. And it's like, no, no, no. So like you already said it's an opinion. So it's like, it's literally not a fact. And I'm going to have this open dialogue and talk to you why it's not. And then of course, you know, hard heads. And that's when I would realize like, okay, there's no getting to that person, but you have to stick to what you know is right. And even if it is just my opinion as well, just have confidence in when you're saying it. So some things I learned quickly. Yeah, definitely. And through talking to a bunch of people, I've realized that um, I, I kind of just assume that everyone had a ridiculous amount of notes in front of them because that's kind of what I do. Um, <laughs> is that what your style is like? Or are you more of just do the research before and move into it with nothing in front of you? So it, in the beginning, I remember having a lot of bullet points, a lot of bullet points on any topic that we were talking about. Um, and that was mostly in radio. And with radio, I didn't have – I had more of a voice when I was with, uh, like, Deuce and Jason Ross because they were so encouraging and empower, empowering to women and broadcasting and me as a voice. So, you know, there was, there was so much there. And I remember having, like, bullet points and then other shows happened. And then once we got to the podcast, it was it – was, okay, I was doing this so often of being on the mic and talking about what I knew that I only needed a scribble mark on a few things or a stat I wanted to, like, throw in Deuce's face on the podcast so I had that written out or something. But, but like, note-wise, it's just a sheet, and it's, like, the topics we're talking about, and then if I really want to get a point across about something else, you'll see extra notes under there. Otherwise, it's, like, I just, I've done my homework and I've done my research and like, I can just go with it. Right. Well, especially when it's with another person and you sort of, like you have a built chemistry with do sort of thing that if it's just a set topic, I know I can do this with Rich, just go into it and kind of ramble about whatever and debate back and forth and it's fairly easy. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. 
So when was your first experience with a major sports team? Was it Sac Republic or was it Sac Kings? So it would have been, I think it was Sacramento Kings. I want to say it was Sacramento Kings because they were the ones where when I was first interning, I was coming to the games and I was coming to a media day for my first time and really experiencing like going around on media day. And, and even it was like, I had to grab audio for KHK. Like this is, I remember it was like, this is DeMarcus Cousins and you're listening to Kings basketball. You know, like you'd have to go right. around each player and get those things. And so like that, was the first time I'm like, okay, I'm interacting with these athletes who I hope to have conversations with later on within a career in broadcasting. So I would say that was the first real thing into uh, pro sports. And then with Back Republic, it was, um, it just felt so real just being like this part of this real broadcast for the first time with them, being the sideline reporter and having the people in the booth throw it down me on the sideline, you know, half halftime interviews or post-game interviews on the field. And it just, it was such, it was so much fun and such a thrill. But I would say my first experience was definitely with the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. And Deuce mentioned that you kind of had looked at sideline reporting and then realized, I mean, that you more so wanted to be an analyst calling games, right? And can yeah. you kind of talk to the difference uh, between the two and why your preference was being a color analyst instead? Yeah, so I remember growing up, I wanted to be a sideline reporter. And even growing up, and I say even in these last, like, couple years ago, I was like, I need to be a sideline reporter because that's the way that a woman works her way up in the sports business. Because sadly, you, that's what we see a lot of. Like, we don't right. see a lot of – now we're seeing more and more women – in the chairs, in the hosting spots, uh, you know, whether it's in studio or at games. So that that was just my mindset, which was so out of character for me. And then once I realized, like, oh, Doris Burke, what she's doing, like, I want to do that. Like, I love, I love breaking down the game and analyzing why someone's shooting form you know, may not be going in just because of the way that they're flicking their wrist out rather than in and the way that they dribble with their fingertips like a Kawhi Leonard and the size of his hands. And, you know, you talk about defense and people being able to actually move their hips laterally. Like just, it, it just gets me. Like breaking things down gets me. And interviewing people uh, during a halftime or post-game, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't like woo me like – the analyst position does but at the same time like I love it all like I would be willing to do it all because it's also fun but my love for analyzing the game and especially the game of basketball is just it's out of this world it's it doesn't it just doesn't feel like a job it just feels right. like you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do that's what I feel like when I'm analyzing yeah there you go and so what what steps happen in between um, kind of what we talked about, you working with the Kings or the Sacramento Republic? Uh, what happens between then and uh, becoming the color analyst for the Stockton Kings? So I ended up it, just a weird, a weird way of going about a career because I came to this point in my career where it's like, okay, broadcasting, you're making – 
hourly wages, you are making, you don't have health insurance, you, you know, you're getting a gig here and there, and then taxes take away so much of it, so you're just like, holy crap, like, how am I supposed to live? And so, a few years ago, I thought, okay, well, maybe if I get a full-time job within this organization that I love, that I can also pursue my broadcasting career at the same time. So, I ended up getting a job with the Sacramento Kings in the community department, and I loved it so much. I was uh, running the entire junior MBA program, which is which is still the Junior Kings program, and it was so much fun. You know, we I get to go out in the community and work with so many different kids all around the city, and so it it was something that worked with what I love to do. But then when I realized quickly when I was going to my desk each day was, oh, wait, but you're not, you're, you're not getting enough of what you, like, are meant to be doing. And that is broadcasting. Like, I, I remember my first year doing, the, so it was going from Junior Kings and I, Stockton Kings, they overlapped. So I'm doing both at the same time. I'm working an eight-hour day and then leaving and racing off to a game to go call and I'm going to be there for another almost eight hours. And so those days were hard because my mind in the beginning of the day, I'm focused on, you know, how to make the community better with this program and this basketball program. And then, then at 4 PM, I need to start focusing on um, Daniel Shefu and what he's going to do tonight with the, with the Stockton teams. And then, you know, study the entire other uh, roster where I should have already had it studied. So, that during that time was when I realized, oh, I need to be solely focused on what I want to achieve. And so I stopped doing the I I quit the Junior Kings program, um, but I'm still with the Sacramento Kings as a Stockton Kings color analyst. And then I do anything other um, digital work, you know, sometimes top five videos or. Um, any little hosting and theme events I'll do as well. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like what I'm doing now with them. So that was really the in-between was I was still part of the organization, just being like, oh, what is it like having a desk job? And it was like, oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that myself and most people that listen to the Stockton Games are definitely a big fan, and yours induces calling, and what do you what what sort of prep goes into those games? Because like you mentioned, I mean, having to obviously research the other team all, all the time and the roster turnover for those. I mean, like I can't keep up, um, and, and I would imagine it's even more difficult from the color side when you're trying to break down each one of these players. Like you want to know tendencies and things like yeah. that, and it's just not going to really happen with the turnover, right? You you nailed it. I mean, that's that's what it is. So. So going into this second season of calling, it it became so much easier because that's what I was solely focused on. But you're exactly right. The turnover, like there's a team that a coach's um, strategy could be run, run, run the ball. But then three of their players are either, you know, called up, traded, gone. And those three players were part of the reason why they could, you know, run from rim to rim so quick. And that was like the strategy of, their game and for their team so when that changes your entire analysis of this team has to change with it but at the same time you're 
you know, how many G League, G League teams are you really watching on your, on your Wednesday nights, you know? So, like, that, I had to pick and choose, like, okay, I'm not going to watch this NBA game and I'm going to watch this G League game because this is what I need to focus on. These are the players I need to study. But I'm not even kidding you, Brendan. There would be times where I would study the hell out of them and then that player would just randomly get called up. And so then you're, you're like, that was the player that you were going to really break down and analyze the most on the other, you know, on the other team. And then now you're not. And so a lot of your work is gone because they brought in whoever the hell from, you know, I mean, no offense, but it's like you've just you've never heard of them, or they're from like around the corner, and they just brought them up to be an extra spot on this team, and so it it's hard to analyze that way, and that's why like I I always look at the NBA too, and I go, if you shoved me in an analyst spot right now in the NBA, I think it would be twenty times easier, and I could easily do. I say easily, but I'm not, like, putting a, you know, like a, oh, the job's so easy. It's not easy. But I'm just saying I could easily, I could do it even easier because you already know the tendencies of a lot of these players and how they play in their injury reports. And it's just part of your everyday life, what happens with the NBA and these NBA players, where it's not like that with Julie. And is that just kind of the obvious goal for you would be to be an NBA color analyst? It is. It's. It's the ultimate goal for me. You know, I I want to be doing that nationally one day. I think that would be so fun to do. It, it there's no way it would feel like a job because you know you're you're calling these of the best of the best in the world and you're analyzing what they're doing on the floor and um in being around so many different top athletes just sounds so amazing and yeah that that's definitely what I want in my future but I would also I'm the type of person that I enjoy variety so sure I would love a gig doing that but I also want you know to be doing a podcast on the side a radio show on the side you know give me more I want to be doing more I love talking sports I love having these opinions you know where a lot of people sometimes just like reporting on things and want to be, you know, a, a, a journalist. And for me, I don't think, like, like being a journalist in the NBA, like being a lot of these, like, NBA writers, like seeing what they do and what they have to write about and who they have to interview and how they have to talk about them, like that job seems so hard to me. So instead, let me just analyze their games and analyze them as well on, you know, a radio show or a podcast or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. And uh, so, obviously, there is an opening, and it's a play-by-play job for the Sacramento Kings. Do you have interest in that? Do you have experience with play-by-play, since it's obviously very different than color? I've seen your name thrown around a lot. So Yeah, it's first of all, it's like an honor that my name has even been thrown around um, for – everything that's going on and so it's just it's really sweet and I appreciate everyone's support with and love with all of it and I think it's really cool too even seeing people that I love and adore with like Jason Ross and Deuce Mason and obviously their names being thrown in the picture because they have experience with play-by-play where I have experience with broadcasting and being part of a broadcast team so the fact that like 
all of our names are being thrown in there is just it's it's a really sweet moment because I've worked with these guys for so long and they're just kind people and we we all try to just be kind to anyone we meet anyone we work with uplift people like that's what you got to do and with them I just love seeing like kind people being talked about because that's what we need to see a lot more of going forward in our world is the kind people winning. Right. And I mean, I've had a good, I've been lucky enough to have a good amount of them on this show. Everybody's amazing and they talk of the community a bunch around here and being fairly new here as well. I mean, I've seen it. Um, the Sacramento community is absolutely amazing, especially within the Kings and, and sports um, world around here. And um I think that's most of what I have for you, Mo. Do you have um, – it's a super vague question, and it's kind of difficult, I guess, but do you have any other aspects of, of your job that you do that you feel like are sort of underappreciated that are behind the camera that people don't realize goes into it? Hmm. You know, I think, I think what I'll say for anyone else out there that is ever like, wow, like, how do I get my name talked about or how do, you know, what else is there that I need to do? And I would say one of the like underrated things I do induce as well. Like we spend hours after finding a clip to cut of the podcast to post out there with a link and to, you know, um, market or promote the, our sports talking and what we're doing. You know, there's so much more that, happens in that you have to be have skills with and you know whether that just comes with audio editing video editing or just really knowing what people want to hear sometimes you know sometimes people just need a joke other other times people are like you're annoying I'm sick of your stupid ass jokes like give me you know give me some good information you know like what else is it that you guys talk about so you just have to you kind of have to have a niche to find that balance and you're not always going to be right, but you just have to put in the time and the work and the effort on those other skills behind the scenes to, to actually one day, you know, be in the conversation when there are opportunities and job openings. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're doing a great job finding that balance and I'm sure a lot of your listeners agree as well. And last thing, I just want to give you a moment to plug everything you got going on, though. Ooh, plug. <laughs> I like this. Look, what do I have going on? Um, so obviously you can catch the Do Some podcast on... Why is your name not first, by the way? You know, so many people have asked me that, and then it's funny because I think Deuce at first would get so, like, butthurt, like, I didn't care whose name was first. <laughs> I didn't, and it's true. Nobody cared, and we just, like, we liked the flow of it, honestly. It was like, Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo. There they are, Deuce and Mo. And so don't worry. It doesn't mean that he's better <laughs> than me or anything to all the people out there that are worried about that. So, um, so yeah, you can catch this fun podcasts on any podcast app that you may use on your phone um we do it weekly and you know we just we just have a good time and obviously when there's more things going on in the sports world then we're educating everyone while trying to entertain them as well with what's going on 
definitely. And I'm a big advocate of your work. Definitely everyone listening to the podcast, go follow her on Twitter and whatever socials. And thank you very much, Mo, for taking the time out of your day. And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You're here from us again in the next couple of days.